Welcome to the LDN Radio Show, brought to you by the LDN Research Trust. I'm your host, Linda Elsigood. I have an exciting lineup of guest speakers who are LDN experts in their field. We will be discussing low-dose naltrexone and its many uses in autoimmune diseases, cancers, etc. Thank you for joining us. I'd like to welcome Dr. David Borenstein. Welcome, David. Thank you. Could you tell us when you first heard about LDN? Yes, I first heard about LDN approximately five years ago, um, actually from a patient who approached me who wanted uh, low-dose naltrexone to improve his immune system. At that time, I knew very little about it, and I was a little bit skeptical. Anytime something uh, is new, there's always going to be a little bit of resistance and skepticism. So what I did was I researched low-dose naltrexone. I found it to be an amazing uh, discovery, so I prescribed it to the patient. And what condition was that for? Well, for this particular patient, the patient wanted it primarily just to improve uh, his uh, immune system. Then... I had more and more uh, patients come in for various different ailments. I had patients come in for multiple sclerosis and for irritable bowel and Crohn's disease. So I started getting more and more patients uh, requesting low-dose naltrexone, and I started prescribing it. And the good news is I got amazing feedback and amazing results. And they told their friends with the same conditions, and I... Uh, steadily, I had an increasing number of patients that I put on low-dose naltrexone who then told their friends, and I then have a large, I currently have a large practice with patients uh, on low-dose naltrexone for various uh, ailments. And what would you say the success rate has been? Extremely high. The majority of my patients take low-dose naltrexone either for multiple sclerosis or for uh, inflammatory or irritable bowel disease. And I'd say the, the great majority of those patients have seen positive results from their low-dose naltrexone uh, treatment, either in halting the progression of their disease or completely, almost completely inducing remissions of their disease. And how long would you say it takes for LDN to work? I've had patients tell me that they've had results in a matter of a month and some up to five or even six months later. The time that low-dose naltrexone seems to work is very variable. Mm -hmm. So I've had a very variable responses from a month to five to six months after starting treatment. What side effects would you say your patients have experienced? Mostly vivid dreams, uh, which seems to go away after a couple of weeks. In some patients, they do have gastrointestinal complaints. Some patients have told me, especially the multiple sclerosis patients, have told me that if their dose is too high, they have some uh, mild specificity, and we just uh, adjust the dose uh, accordingly. And some patients have nonspecific complaints. They just say they don't feel right on it. Um, so we tend to adjust the dose or change the way the low-dose naltrexone is, is, uh, is given. Sometimes we have to put them on a transdermal low-dose naltrexone to uh, reduce their side effects. 
And how long would you recommend somebody to continue taking LDN even if they didn't think it was working? Well, I would recommend a minimum, a minimum of six months before saying that it's a uh, that it's not working for them. Now, if it still doesn't work, we have to look for other issues. Sometimes I find my patients are not absorbing the low dose naltrexone. And then sometimes I find that maybe we can change the way we're giving the low-dose naltrexone. Many of my patients do have concurrent yeast overgrowth, so sometimes we have to treat the yeast overgrowth to uh, improve uh, their response. So if you look at other conditions that maybe are stopping the LDM from working, how many people would you say actually LDN doesn't work for? Well... Again, for the majority of my patients, they do work, and the results can be quite dramatic. In some patients, for example, in the patients who have multiple sclerosis, we know that the disease is not is not progressing. So sometimes we have to we have to decide: is it the low dose naltrexone, or is it just that the natural course of the disease? I like to think the low dose naltrexone is uh, halting the, the progression. But for the most part, uh, most of my patients do re- do either see no progression of their uh, disease or a dramatic improvement in their um, in the disease. And what about other prescribing doctors? Would you say the number of prescribing doctors is increasing? Oh, absolutely. I think it's definitely increasing as there's more and more awareness of uh, low-dose uh, naltrexone. But it's still only a small number of doctors who prescribe it. Do you think that some doctors are a bit uh, wary of prescribing a drug off-label? Oh, absolutely. There's definite resistance to prescribing something off-label or medication that you have no experience in uh, in using. Don't forget, most drugs that we use, we're comfortable with because we use the drugs during our medical training. Things like anything from anti-inflammatories, blood pressure medications, cholesterol medications, antibiotics, we uh, pain medications. We've used this in a setting, in a hospital or clinic setting in our training. So we're very comfortable in using it. We know the response. We know the side effects. Low-dose naltrexone, however, uh, most physicians have no experience with. So there's always a little bit of a uh, hesitancy or reluctancy to use a medication that you have no experience with. I think it's important to improve the awareness of low-dose naltrexone because this particular treatment can definitely benefit many people and at a very reduced cost. Well, thank you very much for sharing your experience with us. I'd like to introduce Dr. John Sullivan from the United States who prescribes LDN. Welcome, John. Hello. Could you tell me when you first heard of LDN? Oh, uh, about 10 or 11 years ago, I received a phone call from a doctor at a local research medical center who was, he's a PhD doctor, looking at the benefits of LDN, and he asked me if I would give it to a few patients on his behalf just to, to see uh, how it does in the outside world. Mm-hmm. And that was my first introduction to the uh, use of LDN. From there, the word got out that I was recommending LDN 
uh, low-dose naltrexone. And the patients themselves, by word of mouth, have been coming in and teaching me mm -hmm. incredible amounts of insight. And what were these patients that you first prescribed LDN for? What condition did they have? Well, the, in the very beginning, it was uh, mostly cancer patients, cancer of the lung, breast, and prostate. But uh, very quickly, the patient population changed into autoimmune-type diseases, most, uh, most frequently autoimmune neurological diseases, such as MS, but also autoimmune uh, rheumatoid arthritis and thyroiditis. Mm -hmm. And what kind of a success rate have you been noticing? The success rate is in the high 90s. I don't keep statistics to be able to give you an exact number, but it is so impressive that, uh, in my professional opinion, LDN should be the drug of choice for these conditions. And most of the crab drugs for the neurological diseases are obsolete at this point. And do you notice your patients experiencing any initial side effects? Well, there are a few that I caution them about, but they are not universally experienced. Uh, sometimes there's a loss of appetite and a secondary loss of weight. Sometimes there's interference with uh, falling asleep, and then sometimes there is bizarre dream patterns that, that are new and different. So I caution them about that. Once in a blue moon, somebody will have abdominal discomfort, especially if they have the autoimmune bowel infl inflammatory diseases like Crohn's or ulcerative colitis. And for those people, we have developed a transdermal application of naltrexone. So what do you advise for your patients when they come to see you to request a prescription of LDN? Well, initially, we make sure that they understand the goals and the, the capabilities of naltrexone uh, so that their expectations are not out of proportion or beyond uh, realistic. We also go over their diet because diet is important to help the naltrexone to work better and to make sure that they don't have any conditions which will sabotage the naltrexone, uh, namely uh, intestinalized candida or systemic candida, which is actually fairly common out there in the general public. We then talk about how the dose is started. We typically start at a smaller dose and gradually build the patient up in order to get around some of these side effects that I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. And how long would you advise a patient to stay on LDN if they were convinced it wasn't working for them? Oh, I, I would give it a minimum of six months to make a decision about that. And the patients in whom it doesn't work are really, they are in the minority. They're, they're very, very rare. And if it doesn't work, then it raises a question about was the original diagnosis truly accurate? How long have you, in your experience, does it take for LDN to work for people? Depending upon the condition that you're treating, I've seen results in as little as three weeks and the, as long as three months.
but the peak benefit may not arrive until the, the fourth or fifth month. Mm-hmm. And people ask me about taking alcohol with LDN. What is your opinion on that? I do talk with people about alcohol. It's part of the routine. LDN seems to magnify the hangover effect the, the next day. So I caution people to reduce the dose of alcohol, to reduce their intake, and test the water to see how bad they feel the next day, and then make their own decision. Is there any other advice that you would give to people? Well, yes. LDN does reduce the effectiveness of narcotic-based pain relievers. So I tell people that in the event of a catastrophic change or trauma or anything else that would need narcotic, they would need to put the LDN aside until they've convalesced from whatever life experience they're having and then resume the LDN when they don't need the the narcotic-based pain relief anymore. We find that LDN seems to work a whole lot better if the patient is on a gluten-free diet. I think it's not the gluten itself as much as the gluten is just a pro-inflammatory, and we're trying hard to reduce the degree of inflammation, and that's just another step in that process. And then the third thing in similar vein is the use of alpha-lipoic acid to just generally reduce inflammation. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? About LDN? No. I think uh, the rest would just be observations here in the office and my own, my personal strong belief in the value of LDN over any of the other patented drugs at this point. I just hope that it spreads and it becomes more available to patients because most of the patients call and they will say they know about LDN, but they have no local medical support. Their doctor either frowns upon it or uh, begs off the question and won't touch it at all, won't even give the patients a chance. And that's a shame. certainly is. Let's hope that uh, with this DVD we can make a change. Yes. It would only be a change for the better. And actually, the the cost of LDN is so cheap compared to a single dose of any of the crab drugs that it, there's no comparison. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much for sharing your experience with us. I'd like to introduce Dr. Kent Holtoff, the founder and medical director of the Holtoff Medical Group. Thank you for joining me, Kent. Thanks for having me. Could you tell me when you first heard about LDN? Oh, that, that's a very good question when you first heard about LDN, and I, it must have been years ago, um, And but I really, you know, it's, I think really the um, knowledge and, and get, getting out there to the lay people has really exploded over the last several years, but we've been using it for, I would have to say, you know, close to 10 years now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how did you go about prescribing it? What kind of patients did you have initially? And we, you know, when we decided who to prescribe it to, it's really expanded. And you know, we first prescribed it to you know the basic autoimmune disease, and we treat a lot of Hashimoto's, and that was I think our first indication. And we found for a good percentage of patients that it lowered those antibodies. You know, and they go to their endocrinologist, who they just oftentimes don't even test the antibodies because they say, well, you can't do anything about it. But now you have we have a tool to to really lower 
the antibodies and basically uh, address the illness at at the cause. Mm-hmm. And what we're finding is that you really it's it works for a lot more conditions than just so-called autoimmune disease. But anything that has immune dysfunction, which is so common, um, for instance, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, uh, asthma, you know, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, depression, you know, all these things have immune imbalance, and low-dose naltrexone can be very beneficial. So, you know, normally there's two sides to the immune system. There's, in general, you could say Th1 and Th2. Th1 gets stuff inside the cell, and Th2 gets stuff outside the cell, and usually they're balanced. But in so many of these conditions, the Th2 is too low, Th2 is too high. And we see a lot with chronic fatigue syndrome and chronic infections, chronic Lyme disease. And so what happens is people just, you know, when, well, let's say, let's uh, step back. Let's say you get the flu. You say, God, I feel bad because I have the flu. Well, not really. You feel bad because you're immune, uh, because you have basically immune dysfunction. Th2 is too high. It's causing a lot of inflammatory cytokines, and you, so you get that achiness, the brain fog, all, all of that. And lotus naltrexone can be very effective at kind of snapping that immune system back. So conditions that aren't even so-called autoimmune can uh, benefit from lotus naltrexone. Mm-hmm. And what would you say the percentage of the success rate is of the patients that have tried LDN? Um, I would say probably at least uh, the majority. I would say about half. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing is it's if it doesn't work, it just doesn't work. You you don't get, you know, so rare to have any side effect and never seen any significant side effect that's dangerous, which, you know, you compare it to other, you know, uh, prescription medications, it's just, you know, probably the side effect profile is about the same as placebo. And um, what do you normally prescribe? Um, capsules or liquid, cream? Yeah, we usually do the 4.5 milligrams uh, capsule, uh, compounded capsule. And there are a few patients that, you know, and they'll tell you right off the bat, God, I'm so sensitive, and we may start at 0.5 and kind of work up from there. But in general, we use the the 4.5. We'll now, for another indication, which, you know, the low dose works for immune modulation. At higher doses, uh, we use it for weight loss. So get into the, you know, uh, 10, 20, 30 milligrams for weight loss. Goodness, I've not heard that before. Yeah, so an actual will probably be approved here in the next year or two, combined with Wellbutrin, significant weight loss associated with it. Um, and uh, and so, there, again, there's the phase four trials right now going on, but you can use it together with Wellbutrin for, for weight loss. We're having great success with that. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because somebody asked me the other day, they had gained weight while taking LDN, and they wondered if it was the LDN that caused it. Uh, yeah, we hardly ever see that. Um, and because also when you see that kind of with the TH, TH, TH1, TH2 imbalance, you get a lot of this cellular inflammation. So you get a lot of thyroid resistance, leptin resistance. So it can help with weight loss. You know, it's like uh, it's kind of like with when you see diabetes, you get once you get diabetes, it's it's a bit of a vicious cycle because that inflammation that's caused by the the high insulin, uh, you get a thyroid resistance. It lowers thyroid levels, lowers metabolism. So it can work with things like diabetes and lowering that inflammation and all of a sudden thyroid starts working, getting into the cells, other hormones start working. So it has a much broader range of effectiveness than I think, you know, just kind of the standard autoimmune disease. Mm-hmm. And are all your doctors comfortable with prescribing LDN? But I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Sorry, are all your doctors happy to prescribe LDN? Yeah, it, it's very because, again, you look at risk benefit and the risk is, is minuscule. So... 
um, there's really no reason not to give it a try for patients. Mm -hmm. And if the people listening are looking for a doctor to prescribe LDN, where do you have your offices? Um, so our offices, our home base is in Torrance, California, which is Southern California. We have another office in Pasadena, uh, Northern California by San Francisco, uh, Utah, uh, Atlanta, and Philadelphia currently. So it's quite spread out really, isn't it? They're not that close together. Yeah, and we get patients coming from all over, you know, other states and other countries as well. Mm -hmm. That's good. So is there anything else that you could say that you think would be of benefit to people who are contemplating trying LDM? You know, I, I think it's interesting, you know, they say, well, how can I get my doctor to do it? And it's in, and uh, I've read a number of papers on, you know, why, it's so funny, patients will, you know, tell their doctor about it and they'll say, just stop reading the internet, there's no studies on it. Well, there's no studies if you don't look. And I think the way medicine has evolved, it's doctors are so unwilling to kind of look outside the box. You know, they're just, they're just buried and having to see so many patients. And, you know, especially in America, we're kind of following the European model where it's, it's mass medicine. And, uh, and doctors no longer look at physiology. They don't, you know, they, they don't even try to understand anything anymore. They just basically say, oh, you have this diagnosis. Well, the insurance company says you get this or this. Lotus-Altrexone, I don't know anything about that. And, you know, I don't care to read any studies because, you know, I can't really do it anyways. And there's no benefit, you know, for, for doctors now. It's just who can see the most patients. And the doctors who care least are the ones that do well in the system. If you start caring, you know, you're going to be frustrated, you know, taking tough patients and trying to spend more time with patients. And it's basically you don't, you, you make less than the doctor who doesn't care and just grinds the patients through. So the whole system is, is a problem. And, and it's funny how, you know, medications like this, which are exceedingly safe and can be very effective, just doctors just aren't interested in prescribing it. So it's, it's, it's frustrating for you know, a lot of doctors to see that, especially for patients. Mm -hmm. And what's the dropout rate like for people starting LDM? Um, you know, we say, hey, if, you know, we have so many tools for so many, you know, chronic illness. And, um, you know, we basically specialize in illnesses that, that aren't treated very well and, you know, kind of standard medical protocols, which is almost everything now, you know, mm -hmm. especially complex multi-system illness, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, Lyme disease, a lot of endocrine dysfunction. And, um, and, and so... It's really, you know, I think, hard to find doctors that are willing to, to look at all those things. And, and we say, well, if something doesn't work, just stop it and we'll move on. You want to make sure, you know, they're taking it right. And uh, occasionally people will say you get a little insomnia with it. They take it at, at bedtime, um, and usually that goes away. But we'll say, hey, take it during the day. If that doesn't work, and we find that works just as well, although the kind of standard is to take it at night. But we find that taking it during the day works. Um, not, not a problem. So usually uh, then we'll, if it you know, if it doesn't seem to be beneficial, we'll we'll stop it. But I mean, I've never seen anyone have a serious side effect from it. So, you use LDN for thyroid conditions? Yeah, it's certainly our, our go-to medication for Hashimoto's thyroiditis, where the body's attacking the thyroid. But it it does more than that because when you have the high antibodies, it causes inflammation at the cellular level. And if you go to our nonprofit site, the National Academy of Hypothyroidism. NAHypothyroidism.org, it has really hundreds of studies talking about thyroid resistance, where basically there's thyroid in the blood, but it's not doing anything. It's not getting into the cells. And it talks a lot about thyroid transport, which is the key to understanding levels where people go, God, my levels look, look strange. They look normal, but how come I'm having all these symptoms? So typically what you'll see 
is, is a low normal TSH, a high T4, a low T3, a low normal T3, and a high normal reverse T3, which is a sign of hypothyroidism, actually. And many doctors go, oh, you're a little hyper because your TSH is, is a little on the low side and your T4 is on the high side. We see that the, the, the quintessential um, uh, condition is depression, and that's what they see, and they've been thought that, oh, depression's kind of, you know, uh, borderline high, but it's the opposite because um, what happens is T4 and T3 have different transporters. Um, and they're active transport. They need energy. The T4 transporter is much more energy dependent. So anything that has to do with inflammation, lowering cellular energy such as diabetes, chronic fatigue syndrome, any mitochondrial dysfunction, the T4 transporter doesn't work very well. Um, and the T3 transporter is affected much, uh, much less so. Um, and so what you see actually is that the TSH will drop because the pituitary is not affected, but the cell don't, doesn't transport T4 in. And so the T4 actually goes up. And so you'll see, again, the slightly low T TSH, higher normal T4, low normal T3, and high normal reverse T3, which is the key. Um, and, what, and I'll talk about how this has to do with LDN. But the high reverse T3, reverse T3 has the same transporter as T4. So if you have a high reverse T3, you know two things. The body's not, the cells aren't taking in T4, and that T4 is not a good, is not a good way to replace those patients. It just doesn't work very well. And we see that a lot also with Hashimoto's, any autoimmune disease. Um, you'll see that any chronic inflammation. And lotus naltrexone can help that. It, it, again, modulates that immune system, lowers the antibodies, and also, in a more global sense, uh, lowers that inflammation that's causing that really thyroid resistance from the poor transport of T4. So um, it's one tool for even just people who have general hypothyroidism with any chronic illness because it, it can help that transport. And it gets a little complicated, but there's hundreds of studies there and diagrams on our nonprofit site, again, the National Academy of Hypothyroidism. Mm -hmm. And Graves' disease and Sjogren's syndrome, they have a thyroid element to it. Is that right? Yeah, so like, for instance, Graves', you know, which is hyperthyroidism, is, is, and Hashimoto's are the same illness. Right. The body's attacking the thyroid, but if it, uh, antibodies happen to hit the TSH receptor, and stimulate the thyroid, it goes hyper. Um, if it doesn't, it's hypo and they're, they're destroying the thyroid. So almost everyone with Graves also has Hashimoto's, but they just have an additional um, antibody that's attaching to the TSH receptor. Now, a couple interesting studies um, in the Lancet, you know, major medical journal, mm -hmm. um, they did thyroid biopsies in people who were just fatigued. They're, that was the condition they were fatigued. They found the majority had thyroid inflammation, even though their antibodies were negative. And they gave them all thyroid, and they responded irrespective of what their, their, their baseline thyroid levels were. So it really shows that, you know, all, most people that are fatigued have many, you know, actually over 50% will have thyroid inflammation that's not detected on the, on the blood test. So another reason to use lotus naltrexone in just so-called run-of-the-mill low thyroid mm -hmm. or just fatigue. And what about Sjogren's syndrome? Yeah, I mean, all, all those, um, you know, rheumatological illnesses, lotus naltrexone is going to be very effective. Um, and it's, it's going to be kind of really the go-to um, uh, treatment for those. Well, thank you very much for sharing your experience with us. I really do appreciate it. Today I'm joined by Dr. George Schotts, who's an MD from Tuscan in Arizona. Thank you for joining me today, Dr. Schutz. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, first of all, can we find out about you? Could you tell us about yourself, please? 
Absolutely. Well, I am a medical doctor working in Tucson, Arizona. I'm currently a third year and chief resident of our residency program at the University of Arizona for family medicine. I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I did my undergrad training in Ohio at a small college called Hiram College that most no one has ever heard of <laughs> um, before I did my the rest of my medical training uh, at uh, Stony Brook University in Long Island, New York. And uh, I decided to move down to Tucson, Arizona for my residency training because of the world-renowned University of Arizona Center for Integrative Medicine, which I'm looking forward to uh, being one of the residential fellows this year, uh, all this upcoming year, beginning in uh, July of this year, uh, to for further pursue training in integrative medicine. Mm -hmm. So, in your career, where did you hear about LDN? Ah, well, so initially, it's kind of a funny story. In medical school in Long Island, uh, we had a patient who came in who had an ulcerative colitis or, or Crohn's flare. I don't remember. I don't recall which, but he had a, an inflammatory bowel disease flare-up, and he had to be admitted to the hospital for IV fluids and for monitoring and everything. He was very sick uh, at the time, and I remember talking to him, and, you know, I was very early in my training in my third year of medical school, and they just first sort of bring you out of the classroom and, and into the hospital. And so I, I didn't know much about medicine in general, let alone uh, integrative medicine and or Crohn's or low-dose naltrexone. And so I was talking to the patient about what he's tried before and, and all the medications that have failed. And, and he looked at me and he said, but guess what? In two weeks, I'm going to meet a doctor in New York City and he's going to start me on low-dose naltrexone. And, at the, and I remember that vividly, but I also remember that I had absolutely no time to look into it at all. And I, I very, I sort of filed that away because a lot of people, especially in, in the world of integrative medicine, you hear a lot about, you hear about a lot of different treatments. Some have a lot of evidence and some have very little, and you really don't know what to make of it on first pass. So of course I didn't, uh, spend much time looking into it. And I had a million other things I was trying to learn at the time, but I filed it away. And over the past uh, few years and months, really, I've started to hear more and more and more about Lotus Naltrexone. And so I have a few uh, colleagues here in Tucson who use Lotus Naltrexone very commonly. And so I, I had brushed into it, you know, talking to some of their patients and hearing about uh, what they were taking it for and, and how it was working with them. And I got extremely interested just hearing the anecdotal evidence of, of how people's pain is getting better, how people are off of their thyroid medications or their, their uh, immunosuppressive medications for their autoimmune diseases. I mean, lots of, of good word of mouth. Mm -hmm. And I got intrigued. And that's really what led me in the past, you know, few uh, years, months, really diving into the research and uh, and then using it with my patients uh, with with uh, success. Okay, so what conditions are you mainly uh, prescribing LDN for? I'd have to say probably first and foremost, far and away, I, I use it for pain, um, all sorts of different pain. Um, 
indications. So uh, fibromyalgia or chronic regional pain syndrome, uh, sorry, complex regional pain syndrome, uh, formerly known as reflex sympathetic dystrophy. Uh, also just chronic low back pain has had some improvement, um, but also other illnesses, autoimmune diseases, uh, Crohn's that I mentioned earlier, uh, thyroid issues uh, as part of a, a comprehensive and anti-inflammatory autoimmune treatment program. Um, and that's, that's uh, sort of a, about probably everybody, but, you know, adding more and new patients by the day. <laughs> <laughs> so when you prescribe LDN for chronic pain, if a patient comes to mm. you and they're already on an opiate painkiller, how do you go about weaning them off and starting LDN? Oh. Or do you do both? What do you do? Yeah, I mean, that's that's uh, an absolutely great question. And that's the first question that I usually hear because a lot of these patients are on chronic opiates. And uh, in America today, we, we've actually turned this, you know, the opiate crisis. We are really uh, not doing our patients much justice by handing these medications out like they used to hand them out. So patients do come to me on these medications and they really are, you know, we, we demonize them in some sense, but they really are you know, a, a lifeline for a lot of people. So you can see how reluctant a lot of people with chronic pain are to stop these opiate medications because they, they just simply can't function without them normally. And so it, there's a lot that goes into um, mostly sort of putting a plan together and, and having a patient know that I'm there for them, but they have to really wrap their minds around stopping those medications, which is the first step, and it's very difficult. So once we've done that and we have a, a plan together, my plan usually typically consists of uh, slowly tapering their opiates. So if they're on a combination of long-acting, and short acting, we taper the long acting first because once that's out of the system and they can control their pain with the short acting, the short acting we can stop quicker and start the LDN shortly after. So I usually, you know, my goal is to get the long acting off totally, keep the short acting on, and then they can about 24 to 48 hours after their last dose of the short acting. I usually say, you know, if it's a Sunday night, take your last Percocet on a Sunday night and then, uh, either Monday night, you know, depending on how you are, or Tuesday night, take the first dose of uh, LDN. And and when somebody's weaning off of um, an opiate, it just depends, you know, what the indication is and how much you're going to start, whether you're going to start really at 1.5 or 3 or, or even 4.5 uh, or even lower, like micro doses in the beginning. Um, that all depends, but I typically um, – try to get it within that 24 to 48 hour window after so that people know that they're not going to be uh, left out to dry for longer than, you know, a day or two without uh, what they can really see as, as a life preserving medication. Mm -hmm. So as you can tell, there's a lot of nuance. It's very <laughs> complex. So what experience do these patients have coming off the opioids before they start LDN? Well, it's it's, uh, it's difficult and it varies. Um, some people really have uh, no problems at all. I've seen people who, who kind of show up and they say, yeah, I 
and, and we, you know, we discussed a plan and we picked a date and say the date's like a month from, from the last visit. And then, uh, they'll tell me, yeah, it was like a week after I saw you. I just, I just kind of stopped it and started at LDI. I just, I, it, things went well. I mean, it, and so that, that I kind of attribute to more of the psychological aspect is, you know, once you realize that maybe this isn't, uh, something that you need to live, speaking about the opiate medications, then, uh, you, you're a little more, uh, you're a little less reluctant to give it up. So uh, that's been one response that I've seen that always makes me happy. I can <laughs> tell you that. Um, sometimes, though, it's difficult. And sometimes you have to go back to the drawing board and say, you know, okay, well, you know, remember that keep your, your Percocet with you. So if you, uh, you know, if you start the LDN and it's just, it doesn't go the way that, that you're, expecting it to where you thought it would, then take a Percocet and start back and, and let's wait and let's uh, try it again another day. And that's happened sometimes. And the beauty about LDN, you know, the, the really creative genius uh, is that it's such a low dose that you can actually still take your opiates and you're not going to go into a withdrawal and you'll still get the effects of the opiates. Um, you just won't really get the effect from the, the endorphin rebound or any of the really um, the anti-inflammatory effects, but you can you can still take it plus or minus with uh, small doses of opiate medications. It's not something that's going to be life-threatening. It's not going to throw people straight into withdrawal and really hurt them, especially if they're already properly weaned off of them in the first place. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So. The outcomes, and I know everybody's different, everybody's pain levels are different, different pain conditions, but what would you say you would expect to see as an outcome? I mean, how long would you think it would take before the patient noticed some improvement? And that's a great question as well. That's what I I always hear from patients is how long am I going to have to wait until my pain is better or this improves? Uh, my condition and you know the from what I've seen and from what I've read it's extremely variable as well Mm -hmm. some people come in and say especially when you start at a higher dose they have that initial endorphin rebound and they tell you that this is the first time I felt alive in years you know I feel like myself again and 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 they feel like they've been given something back and so that's um, of course, that's that's what this is all about. That that instant gratification really, you know, as a professional, uh, helps me to continue what I'm doing. But that's not always the case, and I'd say that is almost more the exception. Um, typically, it takes patients, you know, anywhere from two to four to six weeks. You know, there's a a, a beautiful case study that I read recently on a 35 year old guy who had low back pain, and he had tried on been tried on opiates and anti-inflammatories and antidepressants of like three different categories and anti-epileptics and trigger point injections and steroid injections, no improvement in it of his pain. Once they got him on the four milligrams of low-dose naltrexone, two weeks later, 30% reduction in pain. By six weeks, he's completely back to work. And, and that's an interesting case study too, because they stopped the medication at 10 weeks. And then followed him up six months after starting it when he was totally off of it for, you know, almost four months. 
and he was still having just minimal pain and was still completely fully functional back at work. Wow. And that's something that I totally see. I mean, it's, uh, that's uh, the power of LBN. And I think that's what patients see and they hear. And this is a medication that's very much consumer driven. You know, people come to me asking for it rather than most doctors knowing of it and using it as a treatment, which uh, is, is something that I know will change with time and with data and with evidence. But, mm. Well, I um, should think your patients... So, well, sorry. I should think your patients are very grateful uh, to have you as a prescriber. Ah, well, I appreciate that. I think I, I, uh, I'm just here to provide, you know, health any way I can. You know, medicine is, in my mind, medicine is a street fight, right? So, like, whatever I need to do to get that person healthy, I have to pick up a bat or a lead pipe, mm-hmm. you know, whatever we can use, whatever kind of treatment therapies we can use to make people feel better and to get back to living their lives, I'm going to do it. So oh, that's, amazing. That, that's what led me to LDN. And do any of, have any of your patients reported any negative side effects other than maybe, you know, vivid dreams, sleep disturbance? Um, so, yeah, that's, that's one of the more common things is a little bit of sleep. Uh, disturbance, and I like the way that you you state it there because it's really not insomnia; it's not a sleep problem. It's just a change in their sleep habits, mm-hmm. and um, people. I mean, that can be remedied quite easily by making sure that we uh, optimize our sleep hygiene prior to initiation of LDN, and also by just making sure that um, you know we take the proper steps when we're initiating it to not really start too high of a dose or uh, if we do start at what we think is an appropriate dose and have some issues, we sort of drop it down and and begin that taper upwards. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned... But as far as... That's right. Carry on. Um, I was just going to say, you mentioned other... Uh, side effects, and I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't touch on. But I wanted one more thing. I wanted to mention as a side effect, which I find extremely interesting, is the uh, and it's and it's not an unfavorable side effect. It's it's that patients tell me that uh, their issues with binging, so binge eating or binging and purging, really have really decrease when they start the LDN, which I find fascinating um, and kind of don't surprise me knowing the mechanism with opioid growth factor and opioid growth factor receptor and beta endorphins and having that endorphin surge when you're binging. That's, that's sort of the reason why people binge eat is for the, the endorphins to, to quell some sort of inner pain. And so having your opiate, uh, your opioids uh, inside your body or beta endorphins at a higher level uh, which can actually satisfy those cravings and you don't need to binge. It's something that uh, is fascinating to me. And, and I just feel like uh, is it also is, is another possible uh, indication for using low-dose naltrexone in patients that binge. I haven't done it yet. I haven't found a patient with binging and given them low-dose naltrexone just for it, but mm. I'm going to think about it. Um, and, and um, just can't think of his name now. Andre Levy. I'm sorry, Levy. yeah, I interrupted. Sorry, right. Andre 
Levy Wiesberg, he uses um, LDN in his weight loss clinic and he finds it works very well. Um, Dr. Mike Shookman, who's a um, psychiatrist, he uses it for different um, addictions as well. Um, it's quite amazing oh, all beautiful. the dif different things that LDN can be used for. It, uh... And that's so true. And actually, that reminds me because uh, there is a formulation of, of um, a weight loss drug that the FDA approved mm -hmm. in the United States for uh, for weight loss, and that's a combination of an antidepressant and low-dose naltrexone. It's called Contrave, bupropion, and the, the dose of, uh, in this formulation in Contrave is actually 8 milligrams of okay. uh, naltrexone, which, is, as we, we know, is a little on the higher side. But, right, yeah, that's also something that people have been using for, for weight loss, at least across mm -hmm. the pond. But I'm, I'm, I'm interested to learn that there's other practitioners. That's very uh, exciting to me mm -hmm. i'm, I'm going to look those two names up <laughs> well i'm getting older and probably people as they get older don't drink as much alcohol i don't know it depends if you're an alcoholic i guess or what they call now alcohol use disorder i used to yeah. go out for a meal and maybe have say two glasses of wine i was never a big drinker but now, after I've drank one glass, I really don't want any more. Um, I just really mm. just don't want it. And if the glass is a big glass, I probably wouldn't even drink all of it. Not because of any, uh. it doesn't make me feel nauseous or anything. I just feel I'd rather have water <laughs> than, ah. than drinking <laughs> the alcohol. Strange, isn't it? It's not because I am limiting myself because I don't go out often to, to do to drink and I don't drink at home but I really just feel I don't want it I just don't want it so that's totally. that's amazing yeah I mean it really is a wonderful uh medication mm. really so the, the, the new applications I just keep mm. hearing are almost endless <laughs> exactly do you prescribe capsules or liquid initially Mm. So I, we have a local uh, compounding pharmacy, a uh, little shout out to Reed's Pharmacy, amazing in Tucson, Arizona. They're absolutely wonderful. We, we really appreciate their help and their service. Uh, and they provide uh, a compounded form uh, basically to any dose that we would like. Um, they, can, they can put it together for us. So the most economical, though, I've learned for patients, which, of course, is always a factor, we have a very... Uh, high number of uh, the population in our clinic, a high percentage of uh, with Medicare, which is our um, sort of our, our government's uh, form of sort of, I guess, the closest thing we have to socialized health care, which uh, we're working on. But um, so that's for, for our indigent populations. So the most economical is the three milligram uh, for a 90 day supply that they can do quite easily for us, which we, we, uh, we appreciate, but mostly capsules, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, what do you do when you start people off if you want to give them less than three milligram? Um, so, yeah, typically then I'll have, uh, I'll have reads put us together, either a 1.5 or a 1, and um, the 1.5 is nice because they can get 90 capsules 
there quite economically. Uh, and and then, of course, that's an easy way to double it to three and then to add another uh, 1.5 to get to that max dose there of, uh, of 4.5. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's typically our, our procedure. Okay. So when a patient first comes to see you, do you always prescribe LDN if it's appropriate? Or do you wait a while and use other medications or treatments first? Well, it's, that's a really good question. Um, typically, well, so I, I have a little trouble answering because I typically see two different styles of patient visits, basically. So I have my primary care clinic where I see, uh, you know, it's still in the 15-minute medical model where we, we see people and we work on whatever their issue is, you know, prevention as well as uh, acute care. And so in those patients, you know, in that patient population, they don't know much about low-dose naltrexone and it seems slightly foreign to them and, um Honestly, they they somewhat. That's mostly our Medicare population, so they they somewhat frown upon having to to spend their hard-earned money on medications that they have to get from a compounded pharmacy rather than something that will be uh, freely available at another pharmacy. So, in those situations, um, I I recommend it, and I I talk to them, and I do my best to educate and to uh, give someone the tools to continue their education at home and see if they, you know, come back and, and want to pursue uh, and go down the path of LDN, which I really see as more of a, not just a holistic, but it's really, it, it has a different mechanism, right? You're, you're actually treating a mechanism with low-dose naltrexone. You're not just covering up a symptom. Mm-hmm. So then on in my other practice, on the other hand, you know, I have a, an integrative medicine practice that uh, is is budding and growing every day. And so in those patients, those are the patients that come to me uh, either requesting LDN or having heard of it in some specific way. And if I see that there's a um, uh, an, an initiate or a, uh, I'm sorry, an indication for low-dose naltrexone, I'll just discuss it because it, it treats doesn't treat symptoms like i said it treats mechanisms but it still doesn't you know get to the cause right so if someone comes to me with hypothyroidism and, and they do have antibodies for hashimoto's it's like well why do they have hashimoto's in the first place is it that they have dysbiosis and they're eating gluten and these things are are leaking through their uh, intestinal walls with their permeability being uh, just terribly poor and that's really the cause so i can treat their their autoimmunity with low-dose naltrexone, but I use it as part of a protocol that it actually addresses the causes as well. And um, my goal, my picture for all my patients is to have them well and functioning at their highest level off of any sort of crutches, including medications and supplements. So it's really just doing lifestyle changes, you know, living their life in a way that will promote health disease and that includes LDN you know as much as I love it and how as much as I use it I want people to be able to not have to live with it as a crutch for their entire lives. Mm. Wonderful do you give telephone consultations Skype consultations or are they all face-to-face? 
You know, that's a great question uh, because part of the uh, part of this upcoming fellowship is that I'll be changing my practice quite a bit. So currently, I do not do any uh, Skype or phone consultations. That may be a part of my upcoming uh, practice, but I, I just uh, I have some hesitations. I'm a little reticent because. I just really cherish that face-to-face interaction with patients. And I think that's a big part of the healing process is to have someone that you know um, and sort of give you that, that physical presence, that healing presence is something that um, I cherish. And so if the desire is there, if people really come to me seeking that, then absolutely, I, I'll do it. But um mm-hmm. We, uh, we'll see what the future holds, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so if people want to come and see you and have an appointment for a face-to-face consultation, where do they go to? Have you got a, a website? I do, yes. So I can be found at georgeshots.com, G-E-O-R-G-E-S-C-H-A as an apple, T as in Tom, Z as in zebra, dot com. And that's the easiest, quickest way uh, to get in touch directly with me and my team, and we can get you scheduled for appointments um, starting pretty soon. We're booking out a couple months, but uh, pretty soon, yeah. Okay. So we know how they're going to contact you, what they're going to do. So let's hope that the patients um, around, I, su- I suppose you'd cover all of, Arizona, would you? Or only certain uh, parts? Well, I'm really just based out of, uh, my physical practice is based out of Tucson, Arizona, which is sort of in the so- southeast corner. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, people are welcome to, to come on down from Phoenix, and, and people do, you know, frequently. But mm-hmm. um, I, I, I'm totally licensed in the board of Arizona, so I can, okay. I can see... Anyone, anyone in, in Tucson, anyone who comes to me from any state can always be seen. Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you very much for having been our guest today. It's been very educational. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. Any questions or comments you may have, please email me, Linda. L-I-N-D-A at L-D-N-R-T dot org. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciated your company. Until next time, stay safe and keep well.